Are you looking to level up your author business? Are you pounding your head against a wall, wondering what your next step should be? Then join me, Daniel Wilcox. And me, Sasha Black, as we haul ass each week in a bid to level up. Level up. Come along for the ride as we delve deep into the business of writing, craft, entrepreneurship, and every level of the author journey. This is the Next Level Author Podcast. Achievers, this is episode 51 of the Next Level Author Podcast, a podcast where we hold each other to account and track our step-by-step progress as we level up our author businesses. My name is Sasha Black and here with me every week is... Daniel Wilcox. Hi! Hello. We're here. How was your <laughs> week? <laughs> um, yeah, mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah. How about yours? Yep. It's it's ongoing. On Monday, I thought it was Thursday. On Thursday, I thought it was oh, the yeah. following Thursday. So you know, it's yeah. been it's been a week. It's been a this week has been a month, as we say every week. It has. Um, it has. And we should probably set the tone by saying like we're not really at our best today. So we'll do the show. We're gonna we're gonna you know give it everything we've got. But dear God, I am tired. Um, like we had a call on Monday in which we like strategized our business stuff which was mentally ruinous such a good description like five hours just to go ah okay so what we need to do is do the things that we're already doing but finish the things that we've done <laughs> true um, that was the conclusion keep going and just fucking finish things before you take on anything else yeah i mean that wasn't everything like there were there were some other good things to come out of it in terms of like me i found sort of what my big 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 goals are which is really really nice to have but yeah it was you also month- reorganized your calendar because i was like what yeah. is this clusterfuck of nonsense in your calendar bad. i mean it was quite bad it was Better. quite bad it wasn't that bad um but yeah so that was mentally incredibly taxing um in in a good way like it, it's helpful and it gives more direction and, and makes everything else easier from here on out um, and gives clarity on the stuff where i think we've been saying this for ages after you know months and months of just being in the weeds without a break you do just get really sort of zoned in on certain things and you end up sort of making certain things important that aren't and certain things that aren't important that are important unimportant and it's just sort of pulling back and getting that perspective but yeah and then we went on to tuesday in which you believed it was thursday (laughs) somehow and uh yeah it's just been it's just been a, a long heavy week of stuff um i finished the edits on self-publishing blueprint which was exciting and that's now in the hand of beta readers so i've got stuff that's rolling and uh, on the way um, and of course your best beta reader oh, handed, it, handed it back almost immediately didn't thank they? you like genuinely thank you so much for that i like i didn't <laughs> expect you right. just to go ahead and slam through it but i do appreciate it no, that's um, right. and yeah it's cool because then i get to sort of move on to the next thing while other people are reading it and then i'm going to apply all the edits and whatnot um and think of some kind of launch strategy but yeah next is um the next big thing that i've got to focus on is the omens call anthology which the submissions for that end on the 28th which is next sunday and then uh, i've got a team assembled ready to start reading through all the submissions and narrowing it down to the final entries and getting an anthology together which is very exciting and that's with um judy heiner which is uh, gonna be very, very exciting to do it's nice like, like it'll be the first anthology i've done in the partnership sort of like collaboratively so that'll be uh i'm I'm really really excited for it and also julie's just a fantastic person to work with anyway so it'll be fun 
And what else has been going on? Um, I feel like something else happened this week, but I can't remember what. So I'll leave it there. How about you? How's your week been? Oh, I thought I'd already explained my week. <laughs> okay, we can leave it there. I, I don't know that I can, I don't know what to add. Like it's been a shit week and I haven't got done what I thought I was going to get done. And I've worked every night except last night. And then I ended up staying up really late anyway last night. I'm just fucking exhausted and I'm run down and I'm really, really fucking over lockdown and I really want a holiday. Like I, I said to Chloe yeah. a couple of days ago, like I am so desperate for a break away from this because the problem is, and I am completely aware that this is a first world problem, but I adore our house. I am so deeply grateful that we own a property. The problem is when you take a holiday from work, and you stay in your property yes. you Staycation. want to do, you want to do all of the things you know you want to like I know I need to go through some of the boxes that are upstairs and my office because the office is going to go through a, a redesign when we put all the bookcase in we've been measuring and designing all of that and I know I need to go through a load of stuff and like I know if I take any time off all I'm going to do is work and paint and drill things into the walls and I need to go away like away away uh, in order to properly disconnect and um, there's a lot of like life things that are going on that are really difficult at the moment as well. And I just, I just, I've just had enough. I've actually had enough of most things. I'm feeling a bit fed up if I'm perfectly honest. Mm. Yeah. I think just like you say, having a week minimum away to just be in a different environment. And again, it's perspective. Like when you're, when you're in the same place day in, day out, like you can't get perspective because it's just the same same shit different day but yeah. i was talking to um, a friend yesterday and they were like well why don't you go away for a day and it's like even if i go away from it for a day it's not enough no because what happens like, is you come back and your fucking inbox is full and then you're behind so you need to like get to a point where you can take a week or two off and people know you're taking a week or two off and then yeah. you know by the time you get back half of the inbox you can just delete because people have found their own responses or whatever yes yes you know it's that kind of thing that you need but, I want but anyway tent. i want the peak districts for a week and i want yeah. to just disconnect from everything tech a tent I do not want a tent. a tent. I want a fucking all-inclusive. Not talking about hotel. you. Talking about me, Sasha. Why would you want a tent? That's like the most I love uncomfortable. Camping. That is like the. Who does that? Who wants a tent? Why would you want to lie on the floor where it's uncomfortable and you're going to get backache and it's going to be cold and damp? What is I mean, I wrong with you, boy? Literally lie on the floor. <laughs> I don't. How are we friends? Like this is about hotels and life. Because opposites attract, and we're so different. We are so different and exactly the same. Uh -huh. <sighs> Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> success of the week. Do you have one? Uh, we have. Da, 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 bow, adding in some stuff while I find the thing because I had to move things <laughs> around because Sasha was unprepared. Carrie Hardisky says uh, she finished writing her let me just read it in first person finished my full rewrite draft went from 10k to just under 30k set up some gaps but i have to move on with the series also started up my blog series had to make it monthly documenting my writing journey some life events and clips of an adorable little girl it'll be fun to put together so that's lots of stuff moving forward well done caring that is awesome um okay so patreon do we have any new patrons 
we don't have any new patrons i don't believe um and, <laughs> and uh, for those believe. No, and for those who are patrons, um, we do have our anniversary episode coming up. Uh, it'll be the day after this goes live. So join us at 8pm GMT um, in a Zoom room in which you can join me and Sasha for all the madness. And that is also being obviously streamed into the Facebook group for anyone that wants to join in and watch. So that's facebook.com slash groups slash next level authors or patreon.com forward slash next level authors. We should probably put that on our to-do list to sort out this week because <laughs> I definitely yeah. forgot all about it. <laughs> and whilst he is doing that oh shite uh it's the thing of the week that we've enjoyed and, and guess what sasha didn't prepare this week <laughs> dan do you have a thing that you've enjoyed whilst i think about a thing that i've enjoyed yeah my thing it's part enjoyment part uh, frustration um so the thing that i've enjoyed this week is one division and i'm not going to give spoilers away just for people that might be you know taking their headphones out um, i didn't even get through 15 minutes of the first episode no so this is the thing like it's a good show um i'm on episode i want to say six or seven so i've not yet finished it but mm. it's a good show but what is really frustrating with lots of tv series at the minute is the fact that there are so many shows where people say oh you just have to stick through the first three episodes and it's like i don't want to waste two hours of my time watching a thing just to then enjoy the rest of it like something's something's changed in tv shows where it used to be hook them in the first episode Mm. which is what i freaking love like give them that hook it's the same as when you read the book i don't want to get to page 50 before i'm suddenly excited mm. um i saying that i did bear with one division and I, I would argue that if anyone you know isn't like like you you said you can get parts the first 15 minutes i get it like just go start at episode four if you really can't bother to watch that kind of stuff because i don't personally i get why they're doing it because it adds like a nice little sort of setup for episode four and with marvel that you know it's such a big universe that people you can invest at any point people are ready to go they're gonna they're gonna consume it but for me it was just it's just annoying having to wait that long to get to the point where it starts making sense as it were um but i mean in terms of production in terms of sort of casting in terms of you know where like the production value of tv series has just skyrocketed over the past like four or five years like 15 minutes of each episode is just the credits like mm. at the end like they're actually half hour long but it says 45 minutes on the on the reel um which obviously is testament to how much they're investing in these kind of properties but yeah at the same time hook 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 it, yeah it, it really frustrates me there's so many so many shows i want to watch and so many people are like yeah just make it through the first i'm like no no <laughs> make it good so i want to watch it please i agree i completely agree <clears throat> it's just lazy and i think it's lazy writing when it happens in books as well Mm. i think i mean this the show itself is very experimental in what they try to do which mm. i appreciate but again like there's a couple of in the first episode there's a couple of like moments where you realize that it leads to something bigger but i want more of it do you know what i mean mm. what's your thing a starbucks way like for real it actually gives me life um <laughs> there there are not like, I feel like I could rant about this because in a time where lots of things are difficult and <clears throat> there's lots of misery and negativity, like, sometimes we would judge ourselves for taking small joys because it costs us three quid a pop. And honest to God... 
I will drink a Starbucks coffee. I will, it, it's 15 minutes when I leave the screen, the only 15 minutes in the day when I leave the screen and I go and get a coffee and I don't do it every day, but I probably do do it like three times a week. And I am instantly a different person because it brings me so much joy. It's such a small thing. Like I love the taste. I love how I feel afterwards. I, I love that it's a treat for myself and it's just a small thing that I do. And like, I get giddy with excitement. Like Chloe was mocking me a little bit yesterday in the car or not mocking me, but she was sort of laughing at how much I was excited by getting a coffee. And I'm like, do you know what? Like fuck fuck this like if I if it's gonna bring me a little bit of joy I'm gonna fucking do it and I'm not gonna you know <clears throat> apologize or yeah so Starbucks on the days where I get a Starbucks it just brings me with so much joy and so who gives a fuck if I'm spending 50 quid a month on coffee I literally don't care and for your free five pound Starbucks voucher please visit sashablack.com forward slash next level authors hmm <laughs> Oh, it's me organising this thing. Weekly <laughs> confessional. <laughs> Listen, I am like not even remotely with it today. Uh, weekly confessional. I don't uh, know so what our tasks were. Mine was to finish a second edit of self-publishing blueprint, which is done. And like I say, it's in the hand of beta readers. So um, tick that one off and get ahead on ghostwriting. I am ahead where I need to be. So we're there. I think, and I think mine was to work on side characters if I'm right. I think that was mine, wasn't it? Probably. It's that, I think, yeah. And I wrote... I think it's uh, to finish side characters. No, it wasn't. Not, <laughs> I've still got like 26 sections. It's not going to happen. I think, I genuinely think that this fucking book is going to go like north of 80k. I just do. It's never going to finish. I know. Anyway, I wrote 4,200 words. So nearly 4,300 words this week nice. so far. Uh, which is a little bit under what I would normally do, but I still have today and the weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And also, this is the first week back after being sick, and I've worked every single night this week apart from my. Last night, night, it's so. fine. Okay, it's whatever, fine. whatever. Let's just move on. It's okay. <sighs> is it though? Is it? Is it? Because my achievers I'm, I'm, no. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Like, I am not you've happy. You've done good, pal. You've done good, pal. Well done. All right. Question of the week. No comments. 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 Uh, so last week's episode was um, what should you be saying no to? A couple of comments from our patrons. Um, <laughs> got one for Scott, uh, which referenced my attempt at a Scottish opener. Says, Dan, as a Scotsman, I'm not sure whether to feel horrified or aroused by that opening accent. Please never do it again so I don't get this confused. Taken on board. <laughs> Faye says, uh, I need to quit myself doubting and bending to other people's schedules. And Cassie says this was a tough and tricky question. Certainly challenges my mindset along with all the should do versus nice to have hamster wheel of info I've been reading lately. And then a couple of comments on our Facebook group. One from Sam Frost who says other people's expectations of how I should be progressing and navigating my journey, having to choose one thing and staying in my lane. I've decided my lane will be whatever I want it to be, go where I choose and be as wide as it needs to be to fit all my passions. Meg says, congrats on episode 50. You know, it was a milestone. Not that many people agree with that. Uh, saying no, it's a constant practice of cultivating boundaries. I find much like practicing discipline or meditation or good habits. I'm not perfect, but I always try to say no to anything that doesn't grow my reach, grow my profit or grow myself, which I absolutely love that. Mm, I do too. I think that's mm. very profound. And I will just apologize that it, I think it was the second week running that I haven't commented. So I will make sure I do that this week. Um, okay. Question of the week. Dun, dun, dun. so there's an airplane going over just so people hear a weird noise 
I did hear it. <clears throat> I have actually spent most of this week trying to think of a question and I didn't decide the question until this morning. And the reason is because I was going to ask a different question anyway. That's a loud airplane. Put in? It's a loud airplane. It is a very loud airplane. So I'm just going to keep talking so that the audio is more focused over here and not your rumbling belly. <laughs> on me? I put yeah. the light on me. Yeah, on you. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I'm feeling reflective this week and I'm trying to turn what at the time was a real negative for me into a reflective positive, which I thought you would appreciate. So the question is, what did you learn or take away from your old careers? Ooh. Ooh, okay. <laughs> careers, plural. Well, you know, I mean, because yeah. you could, it, this can be anything from like being a paper round boy or something all the way up mm. to whatever your last job was. Yeah, so I've had a lot of jobs over the years. Um, I've done paper round, I've worked in estate agents, I have worked at Woolworths, I've worked in B&Q, I've worked at a bowling alley, I've had about four different bar jobs, I've been a chlamydia screening assistant, <laughs> I have uh, worked... My favourite job of yours. <laughs> it was my favourite job as well. Um, and just for context for people, it was essentially the people that go out in sort of towns, bars, clubs, fates and try and get people to do on-the-spot chlamydia screening tests. And no matter what you what your comfort what, what what your comfort level is in terms of discussing sexual health, taking that job and learning how to build relationships with a subject that's typically not spoken about is incredibly useful for confidence, for communication, for just having fun and people skills. And like I, I worked it for five years. I will also say that as a an eighteen year old getting into that that business and earning like eleven pound an hour was wonderful um so like yeah that was that was a fun one um what else have i done worked at university worked in student union uh i've been a parkour coach and instructor um i've been a slack line teacher um so suffice to say like i've had a fair like spread of jobs um but how old were I, you when you got your first job i was 15 15 cool you were old yeah i was 15 that i got my paper round and that was like it was such a small paper round. I had to deliver 13 papers a day and it was like getting up at half five so I can get to the shop at six and then sort of crack on from there um lessons then like each one's kind of brought with its, own, its own lesson obviously like with the paper round it's early rises it's discipline it's the reward of earning your own money um as a like I, I did paper round from when I was 15 so I was 16 now I was 13 when I started I was 13 when I got my I first was 13, job. yeah. So I did it when I was 13 through when I was 16. And uh, I got to the point where I started like, going in the shop early and arranging the papers for the other uh, paper people. Um, and at the same time, when I was 16, I was also doing part-time work in the estate agents. So I was making about £80 a week as a 16-year-old, which, you know, when you're that age and your friends are kind of getting like five, 10 quid a week and you're suddenly like Mr. Moneybags, it, it was a good feeling because like, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that like splash it out on friends. Like, it's, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm that guy. Um, so that kind of showed me the the reward of earning. Um, I've always enjoyed learning new skills. I think when I started getting more involved in parkour and free running, I think that's the real big thing that kind of 
taught me about the process of mindset um, in terms of, and I, I always use this example is because uh, I think a lot of people they'll see free running or they'll see parkour is just like, and you know, there are jokes everywhere online of, Oh, just jumping up the curb or just like jumping off a wall or whatever. And for me, I really, really learned the heart of the philosophy of what parkour was, which is boiled down to its basic principles. It's the practice of getting from point A to point B in the most efficient way possible. So it's all about efficiency. It's all about what, how can you improve all of the steps that you take to minimize the effort expenditure and maximize the reward. Mm. And um, so from that, like it would be a case of, you know, it's all about incremental changes, like tiny little things that just help you and physically, but then you can apply those to sort of processes and things that you do just generally in your day. But I remember the, the most real example of that I remember is when I first ever went out um, and my mate basically was like, let me take you out for a day for parkour. Cause I was, I was the guy that was just like, oh yeah, jumping off a curb, parkour, hey. Uh, and he took me out for a day and we, we did some practicing. I fell in love with it straight away. But we went to a car park that was about, uh, we were on sort of like the fourth story and just where the edge wall was, which was about, you know, slightly above waist height, um, looking down, it was probably about a 30 foot drop. And across the way, there was a, about an eight foot gap that, where you can jump down onto another roof. Oh, and, I remember and, the video. You've shown me this yeah, video. There is a video of this on my Facebook if people want to see. Um, but yeah, there was sprayed on the wall was the word talus. So it was called the talus gap. And I remember looking at that and kind of looking down and being, holy fuck. And he was like, yeah, yeah, some people have jumped that. I was like, nah. He was like, yeah, yeah, only two people have ever jumped that. I went, no, nah, that's stupid. Like, that's such a, a ridiculous jump. And I forgot about it. I went off, I practiced um, with this guy. We formed like a little group and like me and four guys went out and we sort of practiced every weekend. And a year later, I remember just randomly with the same guy walking back past that, that jump and looking at it and just being like, that, that gap's gotten smaller. And it was a genuine, in my head, it was a genuine, this gap has shrunk. Wow. And obviously that's just a case of learning your limits, practicing smaller things that then compile into seeing like the bigger picture of stuff. And I hadn't prepared for it, but I just got up and I jumped it. Like just stood on the edge of that, that wall and just went and did it. Wow. Um, a really, really grainy video. You have to search like back on through my Facebook videos. Um, but that had such a profound impact on me because it just showed that, because I wasn't, it wasn't that I was practicing for that jump. It was just that that was a byproduct of the process. Mm. And like I say, that that lesson just in general has just stuck with me um, constantly. And it, even like just moving forward in my writing, that's the same thing. Like practice the process and the product will just grow and become exponentially better just from learning to love the grind. Um, so yeah, like teaching that to other people and when I used to run my parkour sessions, um, sort of like sports centers and again, fates and things, we used to do a lot of outdoor stuff. It was always, I always tried to focus on the ground level, the foundational stuff, because a lot of people, believe it or not, a lot of people <laughs> love the idea of being able to flip and being able to do the big jumps and things. My classes focused mainly on like mastering your roles, just making sure your technique for your vaults was like pristine. And I remember, um, an example of me and some guys ended up collaborating with a local youth group and we did a thing called uh, it was called fly it was a competition called fly so what we did was we took um the uh what's the word i don't I, I don't know if disadvantage is the right word but sort of like the, the kids that were struggling within certain areas of lincoln we gave them an opportunity to come together and we split into groups so it was competitively groups of kids doing parkour routines on the stage in this church with like lights and 
springboards and stuff. It was wicked. And I remember there was a a 12-year-old, obviously 12-year-old at the time, who he was fantastic at flips. And in front of this whole crowd, he jumped off of this trampette, did a front flip, middle of the spotlight, so center on stage. I remember just sitting back and watching. And he over-rotated. And it looked like he was about to smack his face on the floor. And just instinctively, he put out his foot and just executed one of the most perfect safety rolls I've ever seen. He just converted it into a roll. And afterwards, everyone was like talking about like the flips and the vaults. And that. I just remember sitting there and being like, when I saw him after, I was like, that role was perfection <laughs> because it was, it's, it's that stuff where I'm like, this is what's going to save you. This is, this is the stuff you need to master before you do anything else. So um, absolutely process in that regard. And then take, get, moving much, much more forward. Cause I could, I could dive into this question for hours clearly. Um, it was but, a good one then. <clears throat> a fantastic one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, working when I was uh, managing a marketing team, I went, I, I accelerated very quickly from, uh, I applied on the off chance because I was at the time I was working uh, on my own editing business. I wanted more secure income because I had a young child and I applied for a communications assistant role, which I, you know, I'd done stuff with marketing before I'd done stuff with publications. I've done stuff about reaching out and connecting groups and running events and stuff. But within a year and a half, I think it was two years. Um, I went from that entry level into managing an entire marketing team. And it wasn't just, okay, you can step up, you can be a manager now. It was this marketing team is failing. Half of your staff have left, so you need to recruit new staff and train them in. And it was one of those situations where um, I spent, I, I could see it coming because of the way that everything was working for sort of weeks, months before. And I adamantly was like, if this opportunity presents itself, I'm not taking it because it's too much and I don't, I don't want that pressure. Mm. And then the opportunity presented itself to me and I went away and I thought about it and I was like, when else in your life are you going to have this chance to grow because at that point i'd only been it was the first time i'd only been uh line managing anyone for like six months so i hadn't even got like real experience in terms of managing a team and i i, I took it on um i turned the team around i brought in new people like the marketing team got into a position where you know there was actually strategy it was actually like benefiting the organization and a lot of that, the, the main lessons I learned from that were like being ridiculously humble and honest with your, with your faults, because I don't think it was, um, like, it was very, very obvious to everyone in that organization that I hadn't got a lot of experience managing, but I used that to my advantage in terms of like asking other managers questions and connecting with them, like taking their advice. If I did screw up saying, okay, this is a learning opportunity. I'll remember that for next time. And, and sort of rolling that and then just working with people and trying to understand people in general and really, really appreciating the fact that these people, although they're obviously, you know, employed to help you and to help the organization achieve whatever it is they want to achieve, they've all got their own individual lives and like they've got their own reasons for being there. So I think managers can go one of two ways. They can either emphasize too much with their team and just be resentful of upper management or they can be in upper management's pocket and then forget the fact that the people working beneath them are just genuine people trying to live their lives and they have their own struggles and down days and whatnot. So I really tried to tread that balance. And a lot of the lessons I learned then was sort of when to let something go or when to actually like pay attention to things in order to stop them happening next time. Mm -hmm. And just setting firm boundaries on what, what, what is um, conducive to work and what just isn't. Uh, and yeah, I think just, I, 
obviously a lot of the lessons I learned then I was involved a lot with sort of marketing strategy, organizational strategy, which then goes into running a business as an author, as an independent, which we've covered. I forgot that was a thing until about six months ago. Um, but yeah, there's so, so many, so many, like I could, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> so I think the thing that I love most was your story about the parkour and it's so yeah. utterly profound and I think you should put it in the self-publishing blueprint book if I'm honest because that mindset shift where your brain literally told you that it was a fucking chasm of a jump mm. to then you know show you that you're more than capable of doing it I definitely I love that story so much like I almost got goosebumps listening to you talk yeah. about it like it is profound and so key like I know we can say oh be really woo woo and you know mind over matter and all that stuff but it is so true for so many things well, um, that was the question I always got was like because obviously you get to a point where you start jumping roofs and you start looking for those bigger gaps and people are like oh I don't know how you do it and generally the answer was always because i know i can you mm -hmm. practice ground level safely to the point that you understand what your limits are and then when you're up in the air and it's freaking dangerous you don't push those limits yeah yeah how about you yeah this will be interesting yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> so I before also... you start are you being reflective about this because you're considering going back to the day job because if you are we're going to have a problem. <laughs> I could give you many a banterous statement about me not going back to work, but let me just say it straight. Over my dead fucking body, will I ever work for anybody ever again? You will literally have to rip <laughs> my soul from my rotting fucking carcass before I ever go back and work for somebody else. Um, <clears throat> right, so... I also started work at 13 and worked, I think my, I think my first job was as a pot washer. Like I literally washed up in the back of a pub. Um, and then I worked as a waitress. I worked in a coffee shop. Uh, I love that I worked in a coffee shop before I drank coffee as well. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't drink coffee until uni when I had to like pull all nighters anyway. And um, yeah, I worked in numerous bars and pubs. <sighs> I was president of my students union at university and then I got on to, of course, and then I got <laughs> on to um, a graduate management scheme in a very corporate conservative um, organization. And there are a handful of moments from that time that will never ever leave me. And I, and that's the, those occasions I'm going to talk about. And I've talked about some of them before and I think I've probably got like two or three lessons that are a culmination of these, these um, happenings. The first one is that bureaucracy is the killer of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what organization you are in. Yeah. There will be someone who will try and wrap several layers of bureaucracy around stuff. And sometimes you just have to fucking do the thing and get it done because otherwise it will never get done or things will never change. And so I am very cognizant in my own business of not having process for process sake and always being 
willing to look at my processes and and adapt them or change or be willing to experiment or willing to you know outsource or just try something new because that particular organization was so afraid of trying anything new and was very much stuck in the this is the way that we do stuff because we've always done it this way and so that is one of those lessons that I learned because I don't want to be like that. Um, <clears throat> some of the other lessons were much more like interpersonal. Um, and one of them is that I am utterly unbreakable. Like I don't break. Now I physically break, of course, uh, <laughs> as kind of seen from last week, but mentally, you literally can't break me. There is nothing that anybody can do to me that will break me because I am so like, and this is when it comes to a goal or a thing. And they tried to break me. <laughs> they tried to mold me into what they wanted. And, you know, I've talked about the story when I was in a tree crying in the middle of winter and like just fraught with anxiety and depression and, you know, not, like I was in pain every single day and I have this photo that is my face is just in pain and it's I keep it as a reminder to remind me that I am unbreakable because I was there and I was not having nice thoughts and you know I was in a very bad place and I am still here and I won and you know I got what I wanted and I reached my goal and so I I will always remember that it doesn't matter how much you a place tries to break you if you have something that's bigger than that if you have a goal that's bigger than that or something that's more important to you than that they cannot break you nobody can break you unless you give them permission to do that and and that was like I will never ever ever forget how I felt in that tree and yeah so that 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 is a lesson I think that I have learned. I'm I when I when there is something bigger, I am unbreakable in my determination for it, no matter, you know, how dire the circumstances are. You know, and they were dire. I had 40 grand of debt. I was living in a house owned by my employer. So not only I was trapped essentially, because uh, if I lost my job, I lost our home and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't, we were priced out of the market essentially where we were living. I think the rents for most of the properties around there were close to two grand. So, you know, there was no way we were going to be able to afford that every single month. So I was priced out. I couldn't move. I couldn't change job. Um, and I'd been told I wasn't going to get any more senior there. So yeah, like that was, that was difficult. And then, <clears throat> and then the other thing, I think the other biggest lesson is that whoever you are, whatever is like at the core of you, whatever is your truest self and your most like humblest being is your superpower. I was hated in that organization you know I was told I didn't dress corporately enough I was told my personality was a risk to my reputation I was told yeah I was told I wouldn't get any more senior because I wouldn't play the politics I was told well you don't change no matter if you're talking to a senior director if you're talking to you know a peer staff member you always sound the same you don't you don't change who you are and I was like yeah but that I was told that as a bad thing. And so many times, so many times I was told, you know, I was never good enough in my, um, I mean, I was like, I still got, it's hard to explain because like the old, um, 
you know, your performance monitors were, are you delivering on your jobs? And always, every single time I got the fucking job done, but I was never good enough, me as a person, like Mm -hmm. that bit of like my personality was never good enough. And, um, and so, yeah, like people are always going to take issue with the thing that is your superpower and whatever it is that is, you know, so fundamentally at your core of you it is your superpower and because it's your superpower it shines bright and people don't like bright shiny things because they're scary they are a mirror on what is their weaknesses or their flaws and so I think in being told so many times that I was wrong or I didn't fit or I wasn't good enough because of who I was I realized that it was all bollocks and now I am here because of all of those things and because I treated that piece of me that's like that that is the rebel if you like as a superpower and I you know I cared for it and I nurtured it and I you know that is what got me out of that organization so yeah like I think the two I mean the three lessons are bureaucracy is a killer of creativity the 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 second one is that um I'm unbreakable mentally. And the third one is that um, your superpower, no matter, like if you can find the thing that is uniquely you, it is your superpower and it will bring you untold gifts. Mm. So yeah, I think those are my lessons. That's, yeah, it's there's just so much you can dig into there. Like just sort of bouncing off of that superpower thing is there were, there was a person <laughs> who worked in uh, one of my former organizations who and uh, every organization organization has one of these people who they are so insecure in themselves they are so scared of be- getting caught out on their flaws that they just crash onto yours and try and highlight everything that you're doing wrong in order to protect themselves normally those people tend to be senior somehow mm-hmm. um but one of the things i definitely learned from interacting with that person particularly when they started questioning the value of some of the people that work on my team, despite the fact they have no idea how my team worked because they were on the other side of the organization was that, that, that value and knowing that you're in the right. And for me, it was always about finding where the people on my team excelled and capitalizing on that. Mm -hmm. Um, We spoke, I don't think we ever followed up on this, but um, a couple of weeks ago, we we spoke about a thing called the T-shaped marketing model. Mm. and uh like it's not necessarily just for marketing and you know this this gets a bit in depth on sort of like um business it, it works best when you've got a team but it used to be that you write a job description and that person no matter who they are has to fit that job description specifically to deliver the job whereas like the t-shaped marketing model is essentially you have a flat line which is all of the things that you want to your person to be so for example they're all for business it can be how are you with marketing? Can you run newsletter campaigns? Are you okay on social media? Are you good with communication? Finance, how do you handle finance? Design, how do you do that? Business, you have all your different sort of main categories of what you do. And then you rank yourself one to 10 in each of those things. So you give yourself sort of like spikes and whatnot. And you'll find that nine times out of 10, people have one that they excel in. So what you then do is if you're looking at building a team, you look for other people who have that basis that you're looking for that you have that covers everything. So you have sort of like a a tolerance level of what you need to have minimum. And then the other people you bring onto your team should be able to excel in those gaps that you don't have. 
because then you have a balanced team that's able to cover the spectrum of what you need to do. Mm. And just as a model in general, um, like I think, you know, like I say, it's a bit more in depth, but people can apply it to a lot of stuff. I just, it, when I learned about that, it was mind blowing because it was like, it's not about the job, it's about the people. Mm. So yeah, there we go. That's my two cents. So there we go. <clears throat> a bit of a deep, profound one this week. Uh, mm, so, good job, Sasha. I know, I know. Thanks. Apparently exhaustion on nostalgic. me. I know. <laughs> I just wanted, it's been such a shit week. I wanted to be really positive and like, rah, about something. How are we levelling up our businesses this week? Ah, oh, don't worry. I'm fine where I am right now. <laughs> oh, I... Oh, I have a short story I need to write. Um, I'm going to do the short story and I'm also going to, uh, what's the word? Reassess my financial situation. Okay. Because so we're getting up to the end of the tax year, aren't we? So yeah. I need to do that stuff. So, and also, interestingly. bloody anniversary special next week. Yeah, I'm not putting that as a task, though, because we're obviously going to do that. Um, I am going to back up all of my files. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so every so often I uh, try to uh, keep all the Rebel author stuff, but um, it's across like iCloud and Google Drive, so I just pull it all off and back it all up and then delete it so that it's not taking up shitloads of storage. So I'm going to do that um, and also back up all of my book files and i'm going to continue working on side characters um i just don't know when it's gonna end <laughs> i just don't <laughs> fucking know when this book is going oh, to that's end that's gonna be so annoying like, i feel like with fiction books you can very I'm easily sort of start curtailing things in directions to finish up but yeah we're non-fic when you're trying to I'm desperate. More, I'm literally desperate. Like I, I almost feel hysterical. I want it to end. If so you listen much. to this show and you've heard <laughs> Sasha struggle with this book, if you don't buy the book, you're going to hell. <laughs> like I just. Whenever it comes out in 2024. <laughs> fuck you! It is coming out this year. Like I am. I am. I cannot allow this to go on much longer. Like your book's being a rebel. It is the little bastard. Anyway uh hopefully hopefully it will either be next week or the week after like it just has to be it must um am i gonna do anything else i mean i'm gonna do loads of other things um i'm just gonna leave it there i think i'm gonna back up my files and i'm gonna do side characters i really need the, the business thing i need to do is back up my files of course i will also be doing all of that consolidation and stuff but that's that is that's because i have to do that anyway um question. okay so audience question of the week what have your past careers taught you cool and i want to do a quick reminder just for people one last time because this is the last chance for us to tell people oh no it's yeah. not because we'll i oh, know this is going tuesday wow time yeah join us if you're listening to this on tuesday join us tomorrow on the facebook group at 8 p.m gmt where we'll be going live if you're a patron join us live on the actual call um, and if you're listening to this beforehand, that date still applies. It's just not tomorrow. It'll be on Wednesday, the 24th of March. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, you'll be able to get the replay when it goes live as a podcast. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Hungry for more? If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more of my angelic accent and Dan's dulcet tones on our other podcasts. For more of me, check out the Great Writer Share podcast. 
For more of me, listen to the Rebel Author Podcast. We'll be back next week holding each other to account as Dan and Sasha become Next Level Authors. Which is exactly why I wanted the fucking Bluetooth ones in the first fucking place. (laughs) The Telegram, hello. Oh, I'm so joyful. Ah, Helga doesn't want to stab things. It's a lie. She wants to stab all the things. Make sacrifice. Hot to stab everything. Drink blood of enemies. I don't know if that was Transylvania or German. I'm sorry. Shall we like... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs>